Hey, 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 IP friends. Welcome to episode 82. Yeah, super excited because we have 80 more episodes until we reach the 100th episode. And so, so excited. But yeah, if you haven't listened to the previous episode, which is episode 81, where I talked about the Afrochella Coachella case, please listen to it. Like, wisdom was shared on that episode. There's even a Twitter version. You want like a summarized version there's also the, the reels version or the short video format version on tiktok and on instagram now for my returning listeners thank you guys for always coming back to listen to me talk about intellectual property don't forget to like share review raise <laughs> and retweet now today's case hmm, you guys are gonna love it boy welcome and let's delve into our conversation for today. So today's IP series episode, I will be analyzing three different cases. And all of these cases just kind of hit me because uh, when I came across the first case, I was like, well, how am I going to going to tackle this? I've already talked about trademark proposition. Then the second case came along and I was like, hmm, this is actually leading somewhere. And that second episode was sent to me by a colleague. Uh, we used to work together at Infusion Lawyers. His name is Marlon Moses. He is a cybersecurity and tech policy um, practitioner. So you guys can check him out and also his content as well. So he sent me that story. I think that's like the third story he has actually sent to me to talk about. Uh, the first one was the Ugumoye case. He tagged me on the post and I did an extensive um you know post about that i did a podcast and i, was, and I think i also did a twitter version of that conversation then the next one which i'm still working on it because i feel like i haven't really gotten like the vibe on how to go about it um but i'm not going to mention it but this is like the third story he is sending to me so guys don't forget if you have cases you want me to review or share my thoughts about it just you know Email it to me to at ipseriesinfo at gmail.com or send me a DM on at ipseries1 or my personal page at esmeraldo99. Or if you have my phone number, just was up it to me. You get it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And then the third one, I was scrolling to link, through LinkedIn and, I, and it just popped on my timer. I was like, mm, I've gotten my three stories. You know, normally I would have done like part one, part two, part three, but I'm just going to merge because they are all centered about trademark but different versions of trademark from you know application to trademark opposition to i mean the, the three cases actually features trademark opposition anyway so the first one is the Lila ali who's the daughter of the late american professional uh that's the late muhammad ali um he's he was a professional boxer she had filed an application to actually register her name and it was opposed by a licensing company that had bought the trademark right to muhammad ali's name his image and likeness so it was like oh this is getting exciting so things that i you know okay let me just go through all the questions or the cases rather then you have um the then you have the look don't see case with his mother over his name 
and then you have one about the eggs family eng so it's like a chinese name um so it's written the english version and then the chinese version and i was like yo i gotta talk about ip and family what is the interplay what's the relationship how do you deal with all of these things when it, it, it you know involves your family so i hope you guys find this really interesting because i was initially going to do a twitter uh mini blog series but i i seriously thought about it and i was like let me just do a podcast version for once like <laughs> without having to actually um, you know create different media formats but if you guys also want a twitter version please send me a message you can also send me a voice note on anchor and i will listen to it trust me i enjoy listening to my ip friends so yeah let's start with case number one so before i go start this one let me just tell you what like when i came across this case what i was thinking about so like ground for opposition of the trademark registration um when it's descriptive when it's geographically descriptive uh, when it suggests a link or connection to a person or a brand um is there like use in commerce is it distinctive enough you know that one of the basic requirements when talking about trademark is that the mark has to be distinctive in nature now has the mark acquired distinctiveness is the applicant's mark similar in commerce or connected to the goods and services is that proof of likelihood of confusion um, and if the registration is successful will it not amount to an infringement either directly or indirectly is the registration misleading is the registered mark famous are the existing domain names the registration amounts to bad faith so those are the things that were you know just going through my mind i was like "Ooh, this is nice this is exciting yeah so another trademark case today um first of all i already told you guys that Layla ali the daughter of the late american professional boxer muhammad ali had filed a trademark application to trademark the name that's a trademark her own name but it was opposed by authentic brand groups who has the majority stake in the late um professional boxers trademark name and likeness now sometime in 2006 late muhammad ali um he was going through um some life crisis he was sick he was battling um Parkinson's disease and said that oh the, the only way i can raise funds was to sell my trademark to my name and also likeness to a licensing company and uh, so you can imagine like in 2006 he sold that for about 50 million dollars and we know that for athletes or celebrities um your name your image your likeness can be monetized you could get into branding um, you know branding jobs sponsorship endorsements you can also create merchandise for yourself you can also license the use of your name image and likeness to a third party but in this instance he did not license it he actually sold it out and once you are in the public eye for instance like i said you can monetize your voice your signature your name your image your likeness which in intellectual property is regarded or called personality rights or right of publicity 
or image right that can be used for endorsement or licenses just for commercialization or exploitation um we we in nigeria are still developing in those areas we at least i do recall when omotila trademark her name is oh god internet was not having any of it you know, like why would she do that is she preventing other people from handling omotila and i was like mm, but it's not like that though i mean <laughs> you know so we're seeing more I, more more celebrities you know taking um the initiative to trademark their their personal names you can actually trademark your personal name um guys um so first you're using it for commercial purposes you're using it in commerce and you're consistently doing that you don't just register um uh, let's say hourly in say class nine and then go and rest nah you have to monetize it which is where the use in commerce comes into place now the reason um the that the licensing company opposed her registration was one they had stated that consumers may link her name or her uh, uh, supposed trademark to muhammad ali which they now own um they also talk about dilution by tarnishment whereby her registration will cause harm to their brand and also affect the reputation of authentic brand groups and their rights to delete um, Muhammad Ali's name. Then they also talk about likelihood of confusion, which is like one of the fundamentals of, of a trademark application. And you must show that the person intending to register your that mark is as in consumers are going to confuse their their um their mark for your own mark at the end of the day. So it just got me thinking. So that, does that mean someone from so my father? Let me just use my father. I be a Chinda. Chinda is spelled C H I N D A. Does that mean someone, say my sisters, cannot go and trademark their name together with our surname, um, because I had monetized it and you know ended up selling my name out. I mean, you also. I think like the very first case that came to mind was the Fenty. Um, entertainment case and the Fenty Beauty case between Rihanna and her father and you see that a lot happening when family members want to all want to exploit or commercialize um, the family name and then you just start asking is the person doing this because he wants to take advantage of your the reputation you've garnered um, over the use of the name and all of that so those questions comes in like okay why did this person not think of any other name other than, you know, the name that I already used for my own trademark? So that's it for, I'm just putting that case one side. So you see that when you want to do a trademark registration, which is why I always tell um, my clients or people that reach out to me to consult, um, to do trademark registration, like, you're just applying. You're still in the process of, of applying. No one has given you a certificate stating you now have the exclusive right or own the exclusive right to that mark in the class that you registered. So your acknowledgement or your acceptance is not proof of ownership. Sorry, yo. I mean, I know that when you're doing your NAPDAC registration, they always like bring a, an acknowledgement or acceptance letter and people are like, oh, I have a certificate. You don't have a certificate yet. Your application is still pending. It's not been formally approved. But that's about that. Um, so they were opposing it based on Section 2, Paragraph D of the Lanham Act, which is like the U.S. Trademark Act. Um, so yeah, so let, let's look at the second case.
So this is the first case that you see that the application was, you know, opposed from, you know, the very get go, not waiting for them to register and then go and oppose and then start spending lots of money. So the second second case is, is a rather interesting one, which is a case between a mother and a son. Now, turns out this um, basketballer, when he was still a teenager or underage, um, his mother went ahead to trademark his name, which is Luca Donsik in class nine, which is for non-medical soaps. Then class nine for computer software, class 25 for clothing, class 28 for games and playthings, class 35 for business management of promotional goods for sports, personalities, retail stores, um, etc. And then class 41, which was, let me see, that's about mm, six classes. Lots of money for the trademark attorney. Now, the, the basketballer who is now 23 years old filed, is now opposing, he's, uh, he's challenging his mom's registration of his name. So, Sometime in November of 2018, um, his mother, Mijan um had applied to register his name, Luca Donsik, in the classes I mentioned earlier and finally got approved um, 7th January 2020. So you see that trademark registration is not like a two-month, three-month thing. It's a long process because the examiners have to verify that the mark in question you want to register is distinctive in nature. And also, it's not similar to any existing mark out there. Um, so now he has applied to the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office to cancel the mother's registration because, one, she registered it and abandoned it. And that's not a ground for, you know, applying that someone's mark should be canceled. So if you're doing a trademark registration, make sure you use it in commerce. You don't just register and then abandon it because you also need to pay um renewal fees so make sure that whoever your consultant tells you all of this is. so you get free information regarding this on my podcast but when we leave the podcast and come to the dm yeah i need to i need to you know i need to talk money then he also said that um the name consisted or comprised of a name or portrait or signature of someone who is still alive and that there was no consent gotten from that person um or the surviving spouse and that there and that the registration was a false suggestion of a connection with him whether with okay let me put it away so it's a false suggestion of a connection with persons living or dead institution beliefs or national symbol so i already stated the the uh, and the classes that the mother had registered so he was doing registration in class 9 16 18 20 21 25 28 30 32 41 and 42 now in class 28 said it was a word mark for the original hoops of luca Donsick, and it was applied for sometime in june last year then class 36 for both a word and device mark. So there are ways you can register your mark. Either you do a word mark or a word and device mark combined together. So a consultation will give you more insight on how you should register. Sometimes it's advisable that 
you do one or you do both you do both of them so that someone doesn't take advantage of the fact that you did not explore the other one again free information or are they try abby yes are they try uh, <laughs> so in the u.s ground for refusal in the u.s is that the mark in question is descriptive or deceptive um it is commercially phonetic um there's a likelihood of com confusion the sound appearance or meaning when defined or transcribed um for being geographically descriptive if it doesn't function as a trademark by meeting the distinctive test in the applicant's good but it's just a decorative feature or that the best way you can, and the best way you can avoid this is to conduct a search or get clearance or opt for a coexisting trademark agreement i think this is like the second or third i'm talking about a coexisting trademark arrangement yeah i talked about it in, in the afrochella coachella case because of um how similar the names were um so you can if you need more insight as to that you can check out the uspto that's the us patent and trademark office um website for more information on grounds for refusal in the united states in nigeria it is almost similar yeah but then you have to show that the market question is not distinctive enough that there's likelihood of confusion that when um when it contains the following words such as patent patented design copyright use of the coat of arms or national flag um you know i, I talked about that when i did the um the nigeria independence day um short video as well what can be trademarked and you know where you're not allowed to use the coat of arm or the national flag in your trademark so we have similar provisions but then it's best that you 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 find out what is obtainable in the jurisdiction that you are you are you are opposing the trademark because trademark as an intellectual property mechanism is territorial in nature and it is only the jurisdiction where you have um power that you can have a say in terms of opposing someone's um, registration so today's case um, the third case for our discussion when i was talking about the family and ip case is an asian case specifically from singapore so sometime i think i came i came across a publication last week so it turns out that um sometime in june this year the intellectual property office of singapore um gave its ruling regarding a famous um trademark to Eng's noodle shop which was then def decided in favor of the late founders has who happens to be um late ing ba eng so it's n g b a e n g now it turns out that um the the intellectual property office adjudicator so sometimes in an intellectual property dispute you have different mechanisms for resolving so it's either you're going to to court to litigate or you're exploring out of court settlements such as um adjudication conciliation mediation negotiation arbitration and in this instance they had an adjudicator sit over their matter so it just kind of shows that each country has the way they resolve their dispute in nigeria we have a tribunal Nichema Tribunal will sit and the registrar will be part of that hearing or you go to the Federal High Courts or you go to the multi-door court as your mediator is appointed. It all depends on 
how the dispute resolution um that's if it's in a commercial transaction how the dispute resolution mechanism was couched and if it's not in an opposition um setting such as this it's the registry that will handle that so now a brief background about is that the late end Eng Ba Eng started his business in sometime in 1962 uh, after he took over from his father in 1962 and in the 1980s he opened a store bearing um, the name Eng Sha Xiu Wan Taoming apologies to any Chinese that is you know Asian that listens to this and stayed in business from the 1980s up until 2009 um, when his son decided that he was going to assist his father so it kind of gives like the Igbo vibe where they're like, oh, you know, apprenticeship and the rest of them. So that's one who happens to be the name of the son. He said that, okay, I was going to assist um, the late Eng Ba Eng in the store. So he did that from 2009 to 2012, you know, trying to get fam to familiarize himself with the family business. And then they were approached by a businessman called Jason Sim, who was like, okay, let's go into a partnership where we expand the noodle shop to other territories and then you know it seemed like a good idea to them and they decided to go into that business with them and you know incorporated the business in sometime in february 2012 and then the next year um late eng ba eng died and then Five years later, in 2018, um, parties said that they were going to terminate or the, the, the relationship between Desmond and Jason Sim just, you know, fell out and they ceased operation in that 2018. Now, remember that... Desmond took over from his father and the company name became Eng Noodles House PT Limited. So that business ceased operations. And the two companies turned out that they decided to go into competition with each other. Now, Sims, Jesse Sims' wife um, formed the Eng One Time Noodles. I mean, you came into business with me and decided to use part of my business name for your business name isn't that going to cause likelihood of confusion so they opened their own um, noodles um, eggs one time noodles shop um on that same day that they terminated their relationship in um, february 2018 while desmond and his other two siblings form eng sha su one time me pte limited um few days later which is like march 5th 2018 that's my father's birthday and they opened the eng sha Sun want me shop and then from that time from june to july they decided they're going to file three three different trademark um of the of the name eggs but jason sims wife opposed the application on behalf of our Eng Wantam Noodles PT Limited, uh, claiming that it was there was passing off and there was bad faith and you know 
when is when you're talking about a man who registered in bad faith, you have to look at three three elements, which is goodwill being misrepresented and the damage caused to the brand, which is also kind of like similar to passing off as well. Um, now, on the grounds of passing off, the Intellectual Property Office of <laughs> the Intellectual Property Office of um, Singapore held that Desmond's company. Yeah, Desmond's company. There's a previous company now between Desmond and, and, and Jason Sim stopped existing since that time. And therefore, they had no goodwill um, in the name Eng, in the, in the Eng's mark. That's the first blow that they got. Then she further went ahead to allege that Desmond's mark was identical to hers i mean how would you be claiming that that you went into business so it's eggs lady let eggs and his son and now you're saying that their name is identical to yours meanwhile you went ahead to register um open a name called eggs shasu me which is similar to desmond's their name so she also said that the and uh, the eggs marked in their um their registration they, they also had um, materials that had their name but again the intellectual property, the intellectual, intellectual property office of singapore uh adjudicator refused and said that they had not established that the eggs mask was associated or exclusively with them because the use of eggs mask eggs marks for was for like a total of six years from 2012 to 2018 which was like a fraction of what the late Eng by Eng use was you remember that the 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 Desmond's father stays using the name um Eng Sha Sin Wantami in 19 in the 1980s so and then you are coming up saying because they're using it from um 2000 and 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 9 to 2012 you have the rights to that name um and and you know following the relationship you said that oh we are the main owners of that so on the grounds of of bad faith as well the adjudicator also noted that the knowledge that they as a third party had um they third party using identical or similar mark in relation to or identical to or similar goods or services does not amount to and uh, does not constitute bad faith now under intellectual property the concept of bad faith or um, trademark squatting is that where an applicant files for a trademark with the, with the intention of hijacking or taking it from another person then that's your your act basically is done in bad faith you don't have good intention especially in the jurisdiction where the first to apply principle works so for instance in nigeria we apply the first to file principle and if someone decides to go and register ip series before me because he wants to hijack it from me that is you registering a name or word or mark in bad faith now in addition to that they said um the adjudicator held that while there's a duty to investigate the bona fide of a mark before seeking registration, the circumstances could lead to a reasonable person to harbor substitution as to the proprietary of the proposed mark. And then because 
Jason Sims White did not produce any direct evidence showing that the that Desmond knew that he did not have the right to register the Engsma, therefore they do not have that right as well and end up and they ended up losing the rights to um the famous Engs noodle shop name. So and we and and, and and again, you know, it's it's fascinating because the function of a trademark basically is that when enforced, it protects the owner from any act of unfair competition. And this is what Desmond uh, probably had going for him because he, in, I would say, Engs was like an unregistered mark for a very long time. You can see that it was only up until 2012 that he eventually registered the Engs um, business name, uh, incorporated it, and became like a legal entity before any other thing. So uh, that's about it for the three cases. I'm just going to highlight the interplay of um, family and IP and what, you know, intellectual property owners who are family members should do going forward, for forward rather. So, just to wrap up this conversation, I, know, I mean, if you really want to know more about what it takes to oppose a mark, please check out previous episode where I talk about trademark opposition, when you can apply to cancel a mark, when you can invalidate a mark, and strike out a mark, and the rest of them. But for this case, one thing we need to know is that families who are in business should have like a succession guideline for how an intellectual property, um, for how an IP, which is like an intangible asset, can be used by a family member. I mean, if I mean, I, w- I wouldn't want to say so much based on our last case study, uh, which is the Engs Mark case, but having or retaining the services or working with an intellectual property lawyer will go a long way for family business um family businesses um then the legitimacy of trademarking personal name we saw how nigeria reacted to um a trademarking and name. we're also seeing how the case between luke don't seek and his mom is going and you know, there are conversations that the mom should just do um assign or transfer luke don't seek name in the form of a trademark back to him in all the classes that she registered, so it's not abandoned, and then he's able to monetize. I mean, now he's 23, he's no longer a child, and he wants to be able to monetize that which he has. Um, also, in the case of, you know, a child owning an intellectual property, if it's registered by an adult, please let it be held in trust and later trans- transfer to that child when he becomes an adult, which I think that's what should happen in Luke's case against his mom. I mean, somehow over here, oh, you see, your mother, she carried you for nine months. She did this. Yeah, she did all of that. But IP is business. Like, how does one be playing with my name? Like, like when I, let, let's assume they had this conversation. Like, look, mom, I really want to you know, be able to use my name for commercial purposes. And she's like, nah, nah, I own the right to your name. Yeah, you gave that to me. Thank you. You gave me a lovely name. Thank you. But because of I became a but I mean Luke's case is very um interesting because he started playing basketball I think as early as 12, 13, and that's like a, a span of ten years. You'll be able to position yourself to the point where you cannot commercialize and you know explore your personal name so a third party doesn't do so I can imagine how the fight is going to be if it was a third party, but this is blood flesh and blood how are you going to react to that 
how's the conversation going to be is it going to be like a very tense conversation you know how parents can be i don't want to say dramatic but yeah they can be dramatic when they want to be um next up is that in, in the event of an ip related dispute uh, especially when you're doing like a trademark application there are stages and procedures to resolve disputes about a a registered or, or an unregistered mark which as you can see from our case began with opposition so all of these three cases began with opposition and opposition um so in nigeria you have a timeline of two months to oppose um an application failure to do that means it's going to move on to certification and that is where you're given the chance if you eventually decide to if someone decides that they're going to oppose your mark you're given the opportunity to come and explain yourself as to why you feel your mark is distinctive distinctive, distinctive enough oh my gosh <laughs> okay why you think your mark is distinctive enough and not similar to the mark that is uh, already being registered already and then there are also grounds that you need to also prove non-use um abandonment you know all those things again your trademark attorney your trademark lawyer the trademark firm you you hired would do all of that education for you um for lila's case i think it's a bit i don't know i just kind of liken it to rihanna her father's dispute but in lila's case now her father is not alive he had already sold the rights to his name you get his name image and likeness so i, I just feel parties should just come up with like a coexistence trademark agreement state the terms and conditions that Leila Ali has to stick to in terms of use of the, the name Ali. I think because of the word, the name Ali, that they are pushing against it. But let's see how that goes as well. Then owners of intellectual property um, such as trademark, image, names, likeness can choose to commercialize or exploit what they own by selling it. I really don't like telling people to sell their IP because I feel... I just meant that, okay, you sell now and then the price goes up. And you're like, oh, I just lost that. But that's just me. We like money. So we're thinking plenty, plenty things. But that's a way for you to, you know, generate ex uh, revenue for yourself. Um, just like in Mohammed Ali's case, he opted to to sell to a licensing company for $50 million as at 2006. So ah, the money being big. You can also offer partnership um uh business transactions or creating a franchise going to a franchise arrangement like the Engs family did um but then it ended up not working out well and they had to you know terminate the business relationship and close down the, the stores they had expanded to and just you know everyone said like okay i'm going to use Engs. so i feel the other party jason sims wife who was opposing was even the one that was, that was trying to use the trademark in bad faith because trying to hijack it from the late um ng bars Engs family i mean that business has been in existence since the 1960s this is like the third generation right now you know owning at as as a then the unregistered Engs mark and you also went ahead to name your brand Engs noodles so yeah you look at the the scenario between Mijam Potebi, who uh, what she did with Luke Don't name in terms of registering in various classes, 
um, you know, trying to monetize and create merchandise for her son, explore and exploit the image rights and right of personality that he has. Um, then IP validation and long-term goals um, gives the family insight as to, you know, the family's intellectual property portfolio, um, the strategy they can use, long-term goals they can have and how to position themselves. Then an option to create a fan franchise um, by expanding into other territory. What are the terms and conditions? Um, what part of the business can you let? There's also another case. Um, that's like a restaurant case. I was going to talk about it, but I think I'm still going to talk about it because it's like a ten year case, and there are lots of documents to read. But I'm going to definitely do it before December, where I'm preparing for my December Christmas edition series. This is like the fourth. Yeah, this is a 40-year running. <laughs> uh, then in a family-owned business, have a succession plan in place. Be ready to evolve, document all your transactions, um, creativity and innovation. Don't abandon your registration and then let a third party come and want to monetize and take advantage of your goodwill and reputation you've gathered over years. Always opt for a multi-layered IP protection. So other than trademark, you can do design right protection. Um, if you have um products or merch or uh, logos you can opt for copyright restriction you can opt, opt for trade secret i mean the engs family had the opportunity of protecting their trade secret or confidential information as to how the engs noodle shop became what it was from the 1960s and staying up until the 1980s and also still being in existence till today what is that confidential information? what is that secret that keeps engs noodles shop alive to you today as a business person that is just me thinking out of the box um any other every other thing will just be you know assignments and licensing models franchising models um research and development you know all of those things um do not adapt a diy approach with your intangible asset that is a no no guys do not do that don't wing it do not wing it. Do not say I'm trying to save funds. I don't want to pay this person. And then also clearly define IP ownership very well. I think maybe what Muhammad Ali would have done to protect his family was to say, okay, why I transfer or I sell the right to my personal name, my children or successors or heirs can be able to also trademark their names and the rest of them. But that did not happen. That's just me thinking outside the box right now so yeah i hope you found this episode about um family and ip interesting let me know what you guys think yeah so we have done with this episode if you learned something please let me know send me an email to ipseriesinfo at gmail.com don't forget your intellectual property is your intangible asset that has commercial value do not do not jeopardize it don't do anything that's going to make you regret in future have long-term goals involve your estate and hairs have the right policies i think i'm ranting right now but yeah i had a spell time re recording this i hope you also find this episode insightful if you did show me love baby <laughs> uh, 
show me love ip friends sorry show me love ip friends i really do appreciate you guys always coming back to listen to me and yeah see you in the next episode bye